It's Friday the 31st of January and this is the Monocle Minute. Today, 1,316 days after the United Kingdom voted to leave the European Union, Brexit is finally here. Mr Speaker, the British people have voted to leave the European Union. It Brexit was... means Brexit and we're going to make a success of it. Now is the moment for us to get Brexit done. The long and complex diplomatic process is only just beginning. But what now for all the elected officials and staff who've devoted their careers to the European project? I'm Ben Ryland in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. It's not goodbye, it's au revoir. That's how some legislators in Europe were describing the scene in Brussels on Wednesday after the vote that formalised Britain's exit from the European Union. Brexit Day is finally here. After three and a half years of confusion, frustration and political logjams, the United Kingdom will cease its membership of the European Union at 11 o'clock GMT tonight. Joy Ledico is a columnist and Westminster watcher. Joy, some people are calling this Britain's Independence Day. Nevertheless, the UK is losing quite a bit today. Well, we're going to be losing uh, a huge number of people who've been working there. Uh, we're going to be losing all our judges who currently sit on the European uh, at the European Court of Justice. We're going to be losing our commissioner as well as our council seats, all the backroom staff, the kind of famed gravy train of Brussels. They'll all be back in London. Um, I think it will be a very sad day. I think... It is not just the Brits who will be sad. There are a number of our kind of European friends, as Boris Johnson always calls them, who in fact will be sad to see us go. Uh, you know, Britain was institutional in bringing in uh, the, the former Eastern Bloc countries into the EU in the first place against opposition from France. They will be saying farewell as well to a kind of colleague that's been very reliable. The Netherlands has always regarded us as the kind of the heavyweight that could represent their views within the EU. They are now a much sort of smaller fish without us as a wingman. So it's kind of breakup of a you know it's a breakup of family. You know, if you think we felt sad about Harry going off to Canada, you know, it's <laughs> kind of the kind of equivalent thing is going on. There were some strange scenes in the European Parliament this week, mostly led, I suppose, by uh, serial pest Nigel Farage. <laughs> It's a very good description of him. Uh, he he seemed to have managed to encourage some of his friends to smuggle in some little flags and emphasis on the word little there. I know you want to ban our national flags, but we're going to wave you goodbye and we'll look forward in the future to working with you as sovereign. If you disobey the rules, you get cut off. Could we please remove the flags? He led a moment of, uh, shall we call it, a minor rebellion, where he and his friends were waving the flags and sort of erupted into this uh, chorus of celebration at finally being rid of the shackles of the European Union. It wasn't met with much pleasure, as you can imagine, but are they are there going to be some people looking at Britain and saying, well, all of this trouble that you have caused, finally we can be rid of it, at least for a while? I, I think they're going to be secretly delighted because Nigel Farage arrived in the European Parliament. He has been the most disruptive force, standing up, giving great showpiece speeches, and the other parliamentarians are just sitting their head in hands going, oh, 
could we please get him off stage? He's not the only Eurosceptic in the Parliament, but we have got the biggest rump there by far. I think there will be some relief that people can get on with business now that he's gone. The other question about the Eurosceptics is what do they do when they're back in London? And um, they've done what we call shooting the fox. They have now got exactly the thing they've been chasing all this time. They, in fact, will disperse. So Farage is likely to go off to the US and do some lectures. I think Aaron Banks has disappeared. Boris Johnson's obviously in... uh, number 10 at the moment, but that entourage around him no, no longer have something to go to war about. Please sit down, resume your seats, put your flags away, you're leaving, and take them with you if you are leaving now. At midnight Brussels time this evening, British diplomats will no longer have access to the databases and diplomatic cables to the EU's many outposts around the world, much of which is key to the bloc's legislative decision-making. But it's not just UK staffers in Brussels who will be impacted. My name is Daniel Cole, and I am a social media officer for the Liberal Democrat Northwest MEPs. So I look after the social media of the two MEPs that represent the Northwest at the EU. And Dan, you're based here in the United Kingdom. I am, yes. So my office is based in Stockport, but we kind of do a full coverage of the northwest of England with our MEPs. But our main office is in Stockport. What's this week been like for you and your colleagues? It has been one of the strangest weeks probably ever in my career because Brexit is something that's been happening for four years now. And it still doesn't feel like this week is the week that it's going to happen. But then on the flip side, we're still doing really admin things like closing down email accounts and removing things from offices. And so it's kind of like that last week in school before the summer holidays. But instead of being excited, we're actually full of dread and a little bit of sadness too. Is there part of you that is actually going to be happy that we can finally put a bookend to all of this? I think on a on a professional level, I would say that I, I do stand with my party. The Liberal Democrats themselves wanted to stop Brexit and kind of really wanted to save us with kind of one last chance. And I'm a little bit heartbroken that we could never do that. But then, like you say, I'm a little bit relieved that finally kind of the, the will of the people has been listened to. And I mean, four years down the line, it it kind of had to come to some sort of natural resolution. And I'm just glad that it has come to some sort of resolution and that we can kind of start moving on and rebuilding um, with whatever comes next. But on a personal level, I am really, really sad that it is happening. It's such a weird mix. (laughs) When we look at at the impact, there are all these big existential political questions that are always rippling through the headlines. What's it like for you and your colleagues, and I suppose for other people who are just like you, working for different parties in different offices right across the UK, What's it going to be like for all of you? Is it really as simple as once Brexit hits, you don't have a job anymore? It's exactly that. And I think that's the bit that kind of people aren't realising is um, we all know that MEPs are going to lose their roles and we all know that things are going to change kind of on a grand wild scale in terms of the UK's relationship with the EU. But I think people are forgetting that below that level, there's thousands of us that are about to become redundant instantly. It was written into our contracts when we kind of got the jobs that As long as we were in the EU, we had a job. Um, So we knew we were going into it a little bit kind of wide-eyed. But now that it's finally happening, it's exactly that we're going to lose our jobs. People are going to lose employment. People, Some people have worked for parties for kind of years and years and years. And it is, it's just overwhelmingly sad that the lower level is that we've lost careers. We kind of have to go out and start again on Monday. I'm in my building now and my office is two doors away and they're currently removing all the press that we've ever done from the wall. And it's just really, really sad that kind of all our hard work and effort has come to this. Do you get a sense that a lot of you are 
are still invested in politics? Do you still feel as if there's work to be done? Or will some of you think, well, there has to be a new beginning. We'll have to go and do something different. We've only just been talking about this recently. It is very divided. So half of us are really excited to carry on in politics and carry on the fight for what we believe in. Um, and then there's the other half, which I am a part of, that I'm kind of exhausted with politics after the last couple of years. And it's been so, it's just been so uprooted and so kind of unpredictable in politics that it's on a personal level, it's so exhausting because you don't know what every day is going to be like and you don't know when Brexit was necessarily going to happen and you didn't know um, the general election and things like that. And it has, it's just been so tiring that I think some of us need a break from politics um, away from that bubble because politics is such a bubble that once you're in it, you kind of almost forget that there's a world outside of it. And that's the world that I kind of want to experience just for a little while, at least before kind of coming back to politics. I probably will find my way back, um, but just not yet. I need a little break. <laughs> for those who championed the UK's vote to leave the EU, today symbolises the ultimate victory. There will be no bongs heard from Big Ben, as some had called for. Instead, there'll be a countdown projected onto the walls of Number 10 Downing Street. There'll be no such ceremony in Brussels, however. Union Jack flags will be removed by maintenance workers, away from the cameras, with one sent to the EU's museum to begin its new life as a relic of history. Well, as the popular saying goes, all great love affairs start with champagne and end with an EU withdrawal agreement. Here's Monocle's Robert Bound. Well, this is what it's come down to. Divorce. At midnight, the decree nisi became the decree absolute. I told her I'd leave her if she carried on eating all that garlic and letting people we hardly know come in and use the facilities, and so I put my foot down. Hard. In fact, I practically shot it off. It's not a traditional sort of divorce, of course, because we still live over the road from each other. And I'm fond of the wild old garden with the warm pool, and she said that I can use it in the summer if I call in advance. So that's something, I suppose. She said she'd love to pop over sometimes for a pie and a pint of warm beer, but she was sort of smirking when she said it. I couldn't tell if she was joking or not. Never could. Typical. Of course, I asked my friends what they thought before it got to this state of affairs, and they were split right down the middle. My old schoolmate shouted, ditch the bitch, and bought me another drink. They said they liked her well enough, but you can never really understand someone foreign. Then they did the funny accents, which I've never been a great fan of. They said it would all be fine, totally fine, but they inherited small fortunes and played golf three times a week. I'm now wondering how I'll afford the green fees. What with that divorce bill? My other pals, the younger lot I've been working with, told me that we could all work it out with a bit of patience. But I had a hangover from the night with the other lot. We ended up arguing again. Classic. I suppose we should be thinking about seeing other people. She said she's happy with her big family for the moment, but if I'm honest, I've been getting lonely this winter. There's the old flame across the pond. She seems very upfront, but I never quite think she's telling the truth. And then a very attractive technician came round to put a new phone line in the other day. Left her number. Seems too good to be true. Last night, I had the dream again. I'm on a fishing boat in a storm. It's sinking and everyone in their oilskins are bailing out the wild water with anything they can find but I dive in and make for the shore on my own. I never know if I sink or swim, but I wake up in a sweat with tears in my eyes. I feel like Withnell shouting Shakespeare into the rain. I think I miss her already. For Monocle, I'm Robert Bound.
And that concludes this special Brexit Day edition of the Monocle Minute. Subscribe to our daily email bulletin at our website. I'm Ben Rylan. The Monocle Minute returns on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you.